what are you doing to leave a legacy? Uh, play myself in ways to serve the church and to grow my faith so I can explain to my family and show to others that I'm a man who kind of wants to be saved. What is uh, legacy? Owen, that is a good I question. Just it. <laughs> no, what is a legacy? I'm not defining it. <laughs> it's basically what you leave behind. I'm not what, what you're remembered by. Money, food, and land. Possibly. Possibly. Okay, you have to get that. Can you define legacy? Yeah. Can you define legacy? And if you're going to do it, do you want to just sit in the chair? Tell us what legacy is. But first, do it in the chair. Run, run right in front of them and tell them. Turn around. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Flint, 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 what's legacy? Legacy is something not. It's something like where you. Uh, is it have something to do with a leg? Well then, uh, today, 8,000 hours. I promise it won't be 8,000 hours. I couldn't preach for eight hours, let alone 8,000. And uh, eight minutes is sometimes hard for me. So uh, today, it won't be that long. You won't hear that much from me. And we're going to be talking about legacy, building a legacy. And it uh, doesn't have anything to do with your leg, but it has something to do with the impact that you leave behind for your descendants, the life that you live and the impact that that has on your children and your grandchildren and their, their grandchildren. Now, the last few weeks, we've been focused on worship. In the Old Testament, God lets us know that he is serious about worship. He told Israel how much he wanted their focus, wanted them to focus on him and unfortunately, the people of Israel tended to lose their focus on God, and they would end up worshiping idols. And what's even more unfortunate is recorded in 2 Kings chapter 17. You remember the verse from last week. It says, 
that they also also worshipped their idols, and to this day their descendants do the same. Their descendants do the same. Now that's unfortunate in this case because they were worshipping idols along with the Lord. Last week I challenged you to be motivated by that verse. Now we know that our kids often copy our behaviors and practices. Uh, when I was, uh, when we were going to historical reenactments called rendezvous, um, we would have the, the kids when they were young, and I would teach them how to do things at rendezvous, like throw tomahawks or how to shoot their black powder guns or shoot a bow and arrow. And I, I would teach them. I would take the time to make sure that I taught them all the details, and then I would let them try to do it. And I would watch them struggle with it. And I think, man, it's not what I taught you. And then the next day, I would come to the, the firing line or the tomahawk throw, and they were struggling with it. And an old mountain man friend that we had would walk up and teach them the exact same thing that I taught them. And they would be like, oh, okay. And it would work every time. I don't understand that. I taught them that. Uh, but uh, sometimes that, uh, you know, we teach our kids and they need to copy our behaviors and habits. So one time also when Flint was young, I was taking lug nuts off of a car and I had it jacked up. And when I put them back on, I finger tightened them and was making my way around the car. Well, by the time I had got back around to the other side of the car, I noticed that Flint had watched me take them all off. And he had taken them all off after I had put them back on. He was only three or four years old. They repeat your practices and behaviors. So what are you doing now that your descendants will be doing the same. Now, the most important thing is we want them to be worshiping God. We want to build a legacy of honoring God. Now, how do we build this legacy? Today, we're going to talk about four steps on how to build a legacy of honoring God. The first step is never forget. Never forget. Now, this can also be said, you know, always remember. If we're going to build a legacy of worshiping and serving God, that our, a legacy that our children can carry on, we must never forget what God has done for us. It's important to share your testimony about what God has done in your life, especially with your kids. Now, we asked some kids... Um, why do we worship God in youth group on Wednesday? And here are some of their answers. Why do we Why worship, do you worship God? God? Go ahead. Why do you worship God? I worship God because I believe everything that we have and everything that we are comes from Him, and He deserves that honor and respect. I believe that we worship God because we can get closer to Him if we, like, if we worship him and we understand his ways and his ways. What's your favorite mode of worship? My favorite mode of worship depends on the mood that I'm in. Normally in singing or listening to songs, sometimes it's praying. I like to pray around the bed. Um, mainly music. I like to listen to things. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite mode of worship? 
Which would be a complicated story. A few other answers that the kids gave us. Uh, why do you worship God? Um, one of them said, because he deserves it. He's our savior. And isn't that true? Of all the things that we have done in our life to mess things up, he gave his life for us so that we could have a chance to live eternally in heaven. He deserves it. Another kid said, uh, it's what we were created for. And uh, that makes me proud, and, and Jessica, as a youth leader, proud that the kids are uh, soaking this information up, that they know that we were created to worship God. Every one of us is created to worship. Now, uh, no matter what we worship, that's what we were created for, and God wants us to, to worship Him. It's what we were created for. Another kid said, it gives us purpose, and it's calming. Man, some days... Some days I struggle with knowing what my purpose is. Like, I want to know exactly what my purpose is, and I waste a lot of time thinking about that. When God's Word says our purpose is to live out His will, to worship Him, and to praise Him. And, you know, that's a calming idea. It, it makes me relax, and this kid also thinks that. It gives us purpose and it's calming. That's why we worship God. Deuteronomy 11, 1-3 says, You must love the Lord your God and obey all His requirements, decrees, regulation, and commands. Keep in mind that I am not talking now to your children who have never experienced the discipline of the Lord your God or seen his greatness and his strong hand and powerful arm. They didn't see the miraculous signs and wonders he performed in Egypt against Pharaoh and all his land. And Deuteronomy 4, 9-10 says, But watch out, be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live, and be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. Never forget the day when you stood before the Lord your God at Mount Sinai, where he told me, Summon the people before me, and I will personally instruct them. Then they will learn to fear me as long as they live, and they will teach their children to fear me also. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. In the future, your children will ask you what is the meaning of these laws, decrees, and regulations that the Lord our God has commanded us to obey. Then you must tell them, well, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. The Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes during 
terrifying blows against Egypt and Pharaoh and all his people. He brought us out of Egypt so he could give us this land he had sworn to give our ancestors. And the Lord our God commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear him so they, he can continue to bless us and preserve our lives as he has done to this day. It's important for us to uh, give our testimonies, our testimony of what God has done in our lives, because your children probably weren't there to see your testimony play out when it actually changed your life. If you are a Christian, then you have a story of how God brought you out of Egypt, of how God brought you out of a place of being a slave to sin into a place of honoring him. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, uh, tells us that for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. Earlier on in Ephesians, it says, you were excluded from the citizenship of the Lord's people, but now, because of the blood of Christ, you have been brought near. The idea is that one time we weren't making the cut. And then when we put our faith in Jesus, there it is. There's the light. And since we have the light of Jesus, we must live as people in the light. We have a testimony, every one of us. It might be super dramatic, like Paul's testimony, knocked to the ground, blinded, and there the Lord Jesus is. Or maybe your testimony is not so dramatic. Uh, my personal testimony isn't a real dramatic one. It was kind of a slow leading of the Lord, um, you know, a process of me getting to know him and, and longing to have him. And uh, it wasn't super dramatic, but one thing that we must be clear on, everyone's testimony of putting their faith in Jesus holds the same life-giving power. And we've got to share that with our young'uns. We've got to share it so that they know God, what God can do in their life, and so that they know why they should also worship God. you guys ever do like extemper I think they call it extemporaneous speaking in FFA <laughs> about three months ago I figured this out um, so to never forget um, I guess the first story that came to mind was in Genesis and you know it was the fall of man and You know, it's crucial to every part of our life that we live today. I mean, it's the beginning of the struggle. And so I'll start in Genesis 3, be verse 8. 
When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called out to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked. You have eaten from the tree. You have eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat. You know that was the beginning of the struggle that we live today. And you know the scripture that's always stuck out to me for man is, and to the man he said, "Since you have listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you." All of your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. Through you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. And if that is not the truth, uh, <laughs> it's just a struggle. I mean, you get a little bit ahead, and then you just, you know get humbled and I, I have to be humbled uh, probably more than once a week um, and so that's my scripture that I would never forget um, is because I've been doing this for 20 years now and 20 plus and it doesn't seem to matter how much nicer equipment how much more information we get who helps us it's always a struggle and through that struggle, I have to return to the Lord. So. Well, when Jess asked me to participate today, of course I didn't want to. I don't like getting up in front of people, and I definitely don't like telling about myself. Um, but I thought I had an out because I was scheduled for nursery, and she's like, nope, Chase wants everybody upstairs. She's like, you're free. And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> so, like 10 o'clock last night, this kept coming into my head, and I don't know if this is exactly what they were looking for, but when I picked up my pen, this is what came out. So the question was, why do we worship God? Many of you may remember when Riley and I started coming to church here with Danny. Two scared girls, neither of us dealing well with change. Sorry. I'd grown up going to church and I thought I was doing right by Riley, bringing her to church. But I wasn't really bringing her up in Jesus. Obviously, we were all living together. I had a job I didn't enjoy and a boss that I honestly hated. And I brought a lot of anger home every single day. And then we came here and discovered a preacher in Mark that taught things I'd never heard before. He didn't just preach about the stories of the Bible, but he spoke God's truth. A year after we were married, I lost my job probably because of all the hate and anger I had inside of me. But I woke up that night with such a sense of peace that I'd never felt before. I worked a couple part-time jobs before going back to the tax office. But during that time, I was able to spend two summers at home with Riley. 
and being a single mom all those years, I'm sure you can understand how exciting that was for me. And we had a lot of fun. I was eventually able to stop hating my former boss and I was able to forgive myself for that hate. And there's still times about, still things about me that none of you know because I'm still ashamed by them. And I know I shouldn't be, but the devil still brings them in the forefront of my mind when I least expect it. So without God bringing us to this church and in your family, I think I would still probably be that hate-filled, angry, unforgiving person I was back then. I still have setbacks and failures all the time. And I still feel like a baby Christian some days, but I'm learning and hopefully getting stronger all the time. It was Mark McCoy and Carrie and Shirley McGee and Larry Beth and so many others of you that have been such a blessing to our family. And we are thankful every day that God chose to bring us here. And there is no doubt in my mind that before coming here, if I had died, I wouldn't have gone to heaven. And now it's different because I'm different. And that's why I worship God. The first step to building a legacy was to never forget. And we've heard some excellent excellent examples of how God works through our lives that at one point in our lives uh, we're not honoring God and, and he does a certain series of things that make us realize that he's built us for something more but that where we start in life is uh, rough it's often a struggle day after day but God has made us for something so much greater than the struggle that we face on this earth. The first step of building a legacy is never forget. That's why we share our testimony. The second step of building a legacy for today is to tell your children. To tell your children. Now, all of these four steps today, they sound kind of similar, and that's because they are. But there's a reason for that. Now listen, our children won't learn unless we make it a point to tell them, to teach them about God and to teach them who he is and what his word says. We ask some of the youth, why do you go to church? All right, um, yeah, so why, why do you go to church? Why do you go to youth group? <laughs> or youth group. Have you found the gospel? Yep. He teaches it every single Sunday. <laughs> I can't wait to put that in there. Why do you go to youth group? What's your favorite part about youth group? Meeting Randy and Paul. What's the most important thing about going to church? God! Kill God! God's fly. What about? Learning about him. So being serious about our faith. What's my name on Sunday? Okay. 
some other answers to that question, why do we go to church, that kids had um, for fellowship and communion. That's, that's good. You can't get fellowship with other believers at home. I mean, maybe your family, hopefully your family. But to uh, the, the, the good book here tells us that we need to fellowship with other believers to have that interaction. That's one of the reasons that we go to church, um, to learn about God, to learn about him, to hear the word. You know, uh, sometimes we have to hear it from someone else. The story that I told um, a little bit earlier, the illustration of when I would teach my kids how to do something, it wouldn't click until someone else taught them. And that was a little bit frustrating as a parent when uh, they learn it from someone else, something that you've already taught them. But it's, it's true. Sometimes we need to hear things from other perspectives, from other people, um, so that it can sit well inside of us so that we can retain that information that's why we come to church so when you come to church you're hearing the word of god from the worship team as they sing these songs that uh that that are about god's word about his love and when you come to church you're hearing the communion meditation that has the word of god in it and how he how much he loves us and you're hearing it from the sermons so sometimes we just need to hear it from someone else. Exodus chapter 13, verses 1 through 3 says, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of the slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. And then verse 14 says, And when in time to come your sons ask you, What does this mean? You shall say to him, By a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. Deuteronomy 11:18 through 21. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. I want to share a few quotes with you that I really think are powerful. Uh, this first one says, If we don't teach our children to follow Christ, the world will teach them not to. And isn't that the truth? We must teach our children about Christ. And I know as a parent of, of small children, I don't want the world teaching my small children anything unless I have reviewed it first. And we know that for sure the world is not going to teach them about Christ. Another quote that I like is from uh, Corey Ten Boom. She says, the best learning I had came from teaching. Pretty simple quote, but it's from a lady who has lived through the Holocaust and survived it 
the best learning she had came from someone who taught it to her. She had a chance to learn a lot of lessons the hard way, but teaching was important to her, obviously. So Pam, I know how you feel. And Jeff Camp asked me about this. So she asked me the question was, why is teaching my son important about God? So again, I just grabbed a pen and paper and wrote down what came. And I have, Jesus teaches us that we need to have childlike faith. We need to be trusting and hopeful, just like the children. I know when I was a child that I struggled with this. I had trouble trusting. I had hopeful about life was all messed up. I didn't have much faith in the Lord, or I didn't know much about him. This is not what I want to teach for Lucas. The more I learned about the Lord and the more my faith grew, I knew I wanted him to be a big part of Lucas's life. As his mom, I feel I need to teach him more and more principles of faith so that his faith can become his own. We just try to read the Bible, Bible stories at night for bed to the girls and uh, let them pick. Uh, if we let them pick every night, we just read Noah or these story over and over. But a lot of times we switch it up and then uh, we just answer any questions that they have or try to and then... Uh, um, <clears throat> a lot of times... Whenever, uh, at night before bed or when we're driving in the car, either on our way, a lot of times it's when we're driving to school on, or I'm driving Jade to school or we're just driving around, um, we'll sing songs or we'll listen to the Christian radio and we'll sing songs with them and a lot of times they'll pick songs that they want to hear right before bed and we'll sing songs with them. Um... We talk about we talk about Jesus and God. Um, we try and talk about it daily, uh, whether that be when we're out working. A lot of times, Jade and the girls like lately, we've been uh, we're having baby calves right now, and so when we're out, we're talking about um, you know how God created them and that they're special and that you know God creates all of us and he created you and me and then we also talk about it like when we play around um, we have a verse of the day on my phone whenever we're driving to school I always try and read that even though Lily's like I don't want to read that today so uh, <laughs> we always try to do that and then uh, we just 
pray with them as much as well we try to of course every night at bed and then meals and then uh, a lot of times the girls will just ask us you know can we pray and so we always try to stop and make time uh, I guess it's trying to lead by example on that and I also try and uh, by leading by example we try and watch how we live ourselves because funny thing about kids you get to see all your bad habits through them uh, and trying to correct those and make those right um, we always try to be intentional about being around people that are godly examples and Christians and people that are positive ex- positive um positive people that believe in God and and know what the Bible says and and that they're being influenced by those kind of people and not people that are more influenced by worldly things and it's just kind of what we do for us we're not perfect not by any means at all we are humbled a lot through the whole process and there's definitely not a parents go-to guide on how to do things except for just reading the Bible. So. That's so good, guys. Uh, and it's so true. There's, there's not a, a, a manual on how to do it other than following the Lord's word and uh, that you guys are, are Putting forth effort to raise your kids to start that legacy is so good. Here's a couple more uh, quotes that I really like. Children are great imitators, so give them something great to imitate. Great imitators. Here's one by a fellow named Bob Talbert. Teaching kids to count is fine, but teaching them what counts is best. So step number two of building a godly legacy is to tell your children. Teach your children about God. Step number three of building a godly legacy is to repeat it. Repeat it. Now there are no repeated verses in this sermon. Um, There are some that sound almost exactly the same, but they're from different books of the Bible, different parts in Scripture. Now, why did God repeat things? Why do we read a lot of the same stuff in book after book of the Bible? It's because repetition works. And the best illustration that I can think of for this is music. Those of you who are musicians know that how you learn it is by repetition. Now, I I like to play a banjo, and I'm not very good at it. Is one of the most difficult string instruments to learn. And when I first started to play a banjo, I thought, this is impossible. There's no way that a fella can learn how to do the rolls in one hand and several, with several different fingers and then put chords up here at the same time and make it all fit inside of a, a measure. And I would ask folks who had played the banjo for years and years, um, how can I get good at the banjo? How can I learn how to play it? And they would say, hey, you just got to sit down and play it. And I would think, 
There's got to be some secret, some special thing that you got to do. I asked another guy who'd been playing banjo for 20 years, what's the secret of playing a banjo? Tell me what to do so that I can do it. And he's like, dude, you just have to sit down and play it. Practice and practice and practice. And I would hear that over and over again until finally I was out of frustration. Like, you know, you can do just play it, just play it over and over again. And so I sat down and I decided one hour every day I'm going to play my banjo. And it sounds horrible and I don't know how to do it for a month. And after a month, I'm going to go back to those guys and I'm going to tell them it didn't work for me. <laughs> well, after about a month, I forgot all about going back and telling them that it didn't work because actually starting to play some tunes, repetition, doing something over and over will accomplish crazy things. I mean, if, if I can learn a banjo, my attention span isn't very good, but if I can learn a banjo, then you guys could learn a banjo too. If, if I can learn how to do God's will, if I can learn his word, then I guarantee you that you guys can too. Repetition. It's what God sets up for us in his scripture. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and talk about and when you're on the road. When you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as a reminder. Write them in, on your doorpost of your house and on your gates. Scripture tells us to repeat God's word to our children again and again at home and while we are on the road, going to bed and getting up and put reminders everywhere of God's word so that we can share them with our kids. Hey, have you ever told your kids, man, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. Ever say that? And you don't think they're remembering because you have to tell them over and over. So you don't think they're remembering, but oh, <laughs> they remember. How do I know? Because we asked them last Wednesday. And here's what they said. What do your parents say when they're, I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. What is the thing that your kid or your parents are telling you? And they said, do my homework or... Uh, Put the milk up after I'm done with the cereal. Uh, to be quiet. Um, to do my chores. To take a shower. If I don't have permission, don't do it. We tell these things to our kids over and over and over again. It sticks in their minds. They don't always uh, obey or want to remember them. But the point is, repetition works, and that's why parents use it. We also ask the kids... Why do we take communion? Because in our church, communion, we take it every Sunday. Every week, we take communion. And it's part of that repetition of remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross. So we ask the kids, why do we take communion? 
Why do you take communion? Um, I believe we take communion because it is the way to remember uh, God's sacrifice for us before he died on the cross and figure out from our sins. And it's a good way to reset and to keep your mind on him during the church before the sermon or even before the rest of the Easter event. We give worship to God with Lulu voice and license to be washed today. Another kid said that it gives me something to look at and hold that reminds me of what God did for us. Something physical. Once a week, folks, we are doing something that we physically hold in our hands that reminds us of what Jesus physically did for us on the cross. It's a long time ago, and we weren't there but every week we do something so that we remember what he did for us. I want to touch on the importance of teaching our children repentance. To keep in a good relationship with God, we must turn to repentance quite often. The same with maintaining any relationship, including with our parents and children. We not only do this by example by going to our Creator in repentance, but also by going to our children in repentance. James 5.16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. As a very human and imperfect parent, I often mistreat and misunderstand my children, putting myself in the position where I am in need of their grace and their forgiveness. It can be hard to go to anyone and tell them that you are wrong and ask for forgiveness, but it can be especially hard to admit when you have wronged your own children because you want to be a good parent to them. It's difficult to think about and admit how we fail them. But mixed in with our failures can be a beautiful moment and example of repentance when we go to our children and say, it was wrong for you to behave like that, but it was wrong for me to respond to you in that way. Will you forgive me and will you pray with me to ask God to forgive us also? We are their authority, but we cannot rule with tyranny. We are equal as created in the likeness of our Lord, and we need their grace and their forgiveness just as much, if not even more, than they need ours. God created us, and we turned away from him. He then came down and bore our punishment for what we have done against him. He lived a perfect and sinless life and took the blame for our sin. Yet in his authority and perfection, he rules over us with love and not tyranny. When we take communion in church, we take time to repent of any sin in our heart and participate in the bread and wine representing his body that was broken for us and his blood that was shed. 1 John 9, 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Repentance is essential to beginning and maintaining a good relationship with our Creator. Thanks be to God that we have a Heavenly Father himself who will never ever let us down even when our earthly parents do. 
And because of his love and grace towards us, we can extend love and grace towards others. So the third step to building a legacy is to repeat it. The fourth step to building a legacy is to pass it down. To pass it down. Building a legacy doesn't end when your children graduate and move out of the house. We need to continue to lead them both by example and teaching at that point. And as a matter of fact, Sometimes they listen better after they've grown up and are doing the same things that we already knew how to do. Have you ever realized that? That all of a sudden when your kids are grown and they have kids of their own, uh, mom and dad were smart after all. This is the time when we can continue to pass down our legacy. Psalm 78, 1-7. O my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob, he gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. I know times are different now, but as our family was growing up, we tried to stress that God came first, especially on Sundays. Every day of the week, we always had some kind of devotion or Bible reading every morning as a family, and then a family sat down breakfast. I feel one of the most important things in order to pass down the message from generation to generation is to set an example as parents that God is the most important in our lives. Also to show love and respect to our children by attending their activities and being willing to sit down and listen to them when they want to talk and a lot of prayer. Bring, being on the farm, it was easier for us to set our own time schedules and to do things as a family. You may be thinking, I thought this was supposed to be Youth Sunday. And the people just keep getting older and older as we go on. <laughs> but I am just 
a very flawed example, <clears throat> not perfect in any way, but we see in scripture <clears throat> that God used many flawed people to help spread his gospel, and he can use each one of us, no matter what age we are. Several years ago, I suddenly found myself teaching the youth Sunday school. I still don't know how that happened. I really don't. It wasn't anything that I wanted to do at all, but God. And I argued with God. I said, um, I'm just like Moses. I get very tongue-tied. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pronounce those big words, and they're going to laugh at me. And guess what? All that happened. <laughs> and it still does. <laughs> they laugh at me all the time. <laughs> but I'm also still there. Um, I'm so grateful that our church puts an emphasis on teaching, learning, and living the Word of God. I didn't grow up with that. I always grew up going to church, but a lot of times it was a very watered-down gospel. And I'm so thankful that the Word of God is stressed and taught and lived in this church. It's important that we, as the older generation, pass our knowledge down to the next. You don't have to teach Sunday school to be a great example to our youth. Talk to them, be interested in them, and love them to Jesus. I help with our youth dinners on Wednesday night, which is another great opportunity to get to know the kids. It may be chaotic at times, Actually, it's always chaotic, what am I saying? <laughs> but it's always worth it. And it's, it gives us another chance to interact with these kids, to get to know them, to love them to Jesus. I've also been blessed in my life to be a mom and a grandma. Looking back at raising my kids, I'm like some of uh, these other people have said, certainly not perfect. Um, a lot of things I wish I would have done differently but God gives us grace, and God knows we try, and I think that's the very most important thing. I wish I would have done better about praying with them individually, teaching them more scripture, but I also feel like God has given me a second chance because now I have 12 grandkids, and I feel like God wants me to pass along to them the important things in life, to be intentional about following their activities, getting to know them, to pray for them. <clears throat> On New Year's Day, I gave a little devotion to my grandkids, and I told them that I wanted to be better about praying in 2023. And so I asked them to each write down a prayer request that I could pray for them. And God has blessed me so much through that. He wants us to pass it down. It's the most important thing we can do. You guys have heard a lot of scripture today. And you've heard a lot of real life testimony. Legacy. If you have a legacy, then continue it. If you feel like you're not part of a legacy, 
then start one. Remember the verse in 2 Kings chapter 17? They worshipped idols, and to this day their descendants do the same. I pray that your legacy is they worshipped God, and to this day their descendants do the same. Now the first step in building a God-honoring legacy is to put your faith in Jesus. One of the best ways to do that is by declaring it in front of others. If you've not done that yet, then I invite you to come up front during this last worship song and you can tell the Lord and the congregation that you have put your faith in Jesus and you can begin your legacy today. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for the youth, and what they are willing to do, God. Lord, I thank you so much for the parents of the youth. Lord, how they've breathed into their lives. And Lord, I thank you so much for the grandparents, Lord, and what you've done in their lives. Lord, I see the fruit, the fruit that comes from all these faithful people sitting here in this room. Lord, I pray that you would continue to give us the strength to share your message, to leave a legacy, a legacy that honors you, God. Thank you so much for saving us, that, Lord, we get to live in heaven with you where everything is perfect. Lord, that's something to work for. That's something to have faith in. That's something to praise you about, to worship you, God. Thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.